and uh, I, I am thankful for that. And so we're going to be talking about the family and God at home and choosing to serve the Lord. So if you don't know, I am Pastor Noah. I am the student pastor here at Bethesda, and it is my privilege to be able to do so. And I especially love to be able to talk to the family because I get the students a lot of times separated from their parents. So to be able to talk to the whole family and grandparents and whoever might be here is a real privilege for me. So, hey, why don't we just bow our heads as we ask the Lord to be with us as we open up his word. God, I thank you for this opportunity to, to open up your word, Lord, to hear exactly what you have to say, Lord, even from a text that's about 3,000 years old. Lord, I believe that you still speak through your word today, Lord, it's just as important as ever, and it's just as much for us as it was for them back in the days of Joshua. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name that we pray and ask, amen, amen. Well, just a few weeks ago, uh, we had the privilege of going to our summer camp. And so, first of all, I wanna say to all those uh, who wrote checks and decided they were gonna give money to help sponsor students, thank you. It is really cool when I was not even in my office and I come to my desk and there's a check from somebody I hadn't even spoken to saying, we wanna help somebody with camp, right? That is such a cool thing. And that's, that's something that I find to be true of this church every single event that we do. There's always uh, a generosity towards giving to these events. And I'm telling you, every dollar spent was worth it. Um, we had, we had uh, amazing experiences. I think every student had uh, good experiences with God, met God in a new way, and a lot of what happened at camp actually came through the small group time, right? I think sometimes in the past, we've had really uh, a lot of people meet God in the worship services, and that's cool, but this year, it was a lot through the small groups, and there was a lot of talking and reflecting, and I think the things that were unearthed, the things that were brought up in the small groups will really serve to, to benefit them in the future, and they really learn to trust their small group leaders. And so that's something that I, I think was our highlight. There was even one girl who texted her grandma saying, or texted her mom or her grandma saying, this camp absolutely changed my life, right? And there's nothing more that I can be thankful for than, than that. Like, I can't expect anything else, especially because some people are very outward with their faith and experience, and some are not so outward, right? And so this one was, I don't know exactly what's going on in her, in her heart and in her mind. And so for her to say her life was completely changed, praise God. Yeah, praise God. Now in saying that, I have a love-hate relationship with camp, right? I love it because of those experiences. I love it for the games, for the fun, all that. I even love it for the lack of sleep, sort of. Ah, maybe a like. I like it for that, not a love. But the, the hate that I have for camp, this is gonna sound weird coming from me, right, is that students always come back saying, how do I keep what I experienced at camp going, right? And I kind of hate that part because the answer is not that simple, right? We don't do that, right? This is a catered week that you'll experience God. We, we meet for eight hours in small groups, right? We worship for four hours. We hear four sermons and then four mini sermons. And and you're, with, uh, you're playing games, and, you're playing, and, it's, and it's an awesome week, but it's not really normal life. And so I love it because it's not normal life, but I also kind of hate it because it maybe sometimes leaves people feeling like, I experienced God there, but I can't anywhere else. And I wish that camp 
one out of 52 weeks a year was Christianity. I wish that all you had to do was go to one camp, one conference, and bam, that's all you needed from God that year. But how many know that it's the other 51 weeks that are really, really important, and that sometimes that, that 52nd week at camp is really uh, kind of a, vac- a spiritual vacation, if you will. All right, so I believe that we live in a really weird time in history, right? I- I'll show you why. Step out of time with me for a minute. People used to grow up under their, uh, in their parents' homes, right? And they used to learn a trade that their father probably did, and that's basically what you did, right? For most of human history, until not so long ago, right? And so in about 1635 was the invention of the public school, right? 1635 to us sounds really old because none of us are 400, not even close. But it was started for religious reasons by Christians. And so it started as a Christian idea, but then since 1962, Right, prayer has been, and Bible reading have kind of been removed from the schools. I would I wouldn't say the word illegal, but it's it's been removed, right? And now ninety percent of Americans go to public school, ninety percent of American kids. So parents drop kids off, or the city picks them up with their buses, and schools now have very far from a biblical worldview. Right? I'm not going to get into that. I think you know as well as I do. Since 1954, there was the invention called daycare, right? And, and since 1954, it was started by private charities, again, Christian background. And now 30% of babies and toddlers are in childcare on a daily basis. 30% of babies, 90% of kindergarten through fifth grade while their parents are working. We see how the world's changing. And lastly, how long have youth groups existed, right? What do you do at youth group? Your parents drop you off. We kind of have a student church type of idea. It's only existed for about 100 years, which is why I say that we live kind of in a weird time in history because I don't think any of these things are bad. Public schools, daycare, youth groups, I'm not saying that. Definitely not saying youth group's bad or else I'm out of here, all right? All right, I'm definitely not saying that's bad. However, can you see what's happening? Can you see the trend of what's happening? More and more parts of a child's life are being hired out to somebody else, right? Teachers for eight hours a day at school, then maybe a coach for two hours of sports, then maybe babysitter or latchkey for a couple more hours until mom and dad can get off of work, and then maybe dance or travel soccer on the weekends, and then youth group, drop them off with people like myself. It's a lot of trust. And before you know it, parents aren't the ones necessarily having to raise their children, but rather driving them to the people that do. So what am I saying today? Where where are we going? I believe that parents have to be the primary disciplers of their children. But the world is taking more and more hours of the child's day. And so I want to show you the importance of the home in Scripture today from the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles... Open up into Joshua chapter 24. It's the absolute last chapter in the book of Joshua right before Judges. We're going to be in Joshua 24 today. And so as Mr. Rob Susan explained to us, Joshua has lived a really long and very successful life as two really cool jobs, right? First he was a spy, and then he was the general of the army, right? So he's got stories to tell. He led Israel into the long-awaited promised land, somewhere that Moses wasn't able to take them. He fought 13 battles, and he defeated 31 kings, 
That's impressive on your resume. And so now Israel's no longer slaves in Egypt, but they're actually a really powerful army with a secret weapon that no one can defeat. And maybe you know that secret weapon isn't a weapon at all, it's the hand of God. And so after all this, and Joshua's last year of his life, picture him about 109 years old. Anybody know what a 109 year old looks like? Right, you can get an image in your mind. Joshua's gonna give a speech to his people, 109 years old, and he decides he's got something to say. So what is a successful general and a, and a man who's conquered dozens of kings, destroyed and ravaged cities, and who's heard the personal voice of God is going to say? What's he gonna say? First of all, I'm gonna be there, right? I don't know if you'd be there, I'd be there. Here's what he says, verses 14 through 18 of Joshua chapter 24. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, well, far be it from us to forsake the, and serve, I'm sorry, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt and from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in this land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So the old man, Joshua, he doesn't pass on his 13 battles, uh, his experience as a general. He doesn't pass on how to be a spy. What does he say? Most importantly, if there's one thing you gotta hear from this old man, who will you serve today? As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Joshua tells them to make that choice. And I love the people's response in it because they say, you know what? God is the one that got us here. God is the one who did miracles along the way. And in fact, Right now, we're living in Amorite land, so apparently whatever God they had isn't strong enough, all right? We're in Amorite land, and so uh, he's the one that we're gonna serve, the Lord God, the Lord of Israel. And so I bet that this is not a verse that even one person in this room hasn't heard before. All right, confession time. I want you to raise your hand if you are one of the, I think, high percentage who has this verse plastered in their home at some point on a plaque from Hobby Lobby. All right, please raise your hand high. All right, okay, all right. I don't know where else you get it from. I don't think there's a single store besides Hobby Lobby that you can get it from. All right, I'm one of those. We got this in our house right above our fireplace. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I wanna talk today specifically about what serving the Lord means for your house. And I'm taking this very literally about your actual home, right? It means your family, but I also wanna talk about your actual home, serving the Lord in your home, all right? Serving the Lord in your home, that's where we're going today. And so as I spoke earlier, I believe it's a new culture, right? As I was saying, only 30 years ago, 
Before the internet, right, you can disagree with me if you want, but I think this is true. To do really bad things, you generally had to leave your home to go do them. Today, so much can happen on the internet that these places that you used to have to go can now just be on a different website. And so maybe for the first time in history, hear me on this, I think the home can be the most dangerous place to be. I do think the internet has that much power. So because of that, because of the culture change, I have two points that I wanna speak on today. The first is to guard your homes. Point one, guard your homes. So my wife and I, in December, we decided we were getting out of the apartment life and we were gonna buy a home. And so that's exactly what we did. And how many know that once you buy a home, you realize there's a lot of things that your apartment landlord used to have to do that all of a sudden you have to do. So as I'm walking around the home in March, I realize hmm, there's a little hole in the soffit, right? I'm already becoming a homeowner. I know what the word soffit is, right? There's a, and for those of you who don't know what that is, eh, the roof, call it the roof, the underside of the roof. I notice there's a little hole and I'm like, eh, that's probably gonna be a problem someday. And then I walked away. So then in April, I realized that same hole had a bird's nest. And I was like, oh man, I should have done something in March. But I realized, you know, there's a bird's nest there. I don't want to disturb the, the young birds, right? I think it's kind of illegal to do that. And um, I heard Pastor Pat's story of removing a bird's nest from the roof. That's a story for a different day. And I didn't want his experience. So I decided, you know what, I'll wait till like May. Once the baby birds leave, you know, I really don't want to close up the hole and then have baby birds stuck in my attic while mom's trying to get in. That sounds like a bad idea. I'll do it in June. All right, I'll do it in June. June comes along and, and, and my wife and I were able to take a trip to Israel. We were able to see the Holy Land. Amazing trip. And then we had a summer camp. Even better. What's better than spending five days with sixth through 12th graders? Nothing. All right, absolutely nothing. Right? And so June was busy. And what comes after June? July 1st. July 1st, we're finally home from camp. And man, are we tired. And so we lay down at night and I'm looking for a good long night of sleep. And I lay there, I'm just about to fall asleep and scratch, 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 scratch. And I'm like, oh no, that doesn't sound like a baby bird. So right over our head, we, Taylor and I are kind of panicked. And so what did I do? I just shut the door and let tomorrow be the problem, right? And so I shut the door and then in the morning, I'm like, oh man, we probably should do something. So I wait another day. All right, you'll see a theme here. I wait another day. That night, scratch, scratch, scratch all over the house. And I'm like, man, that's really definitely not a baby bird. That's something much bigger. And so turns out we, we call critter control. Bam, we got raccoons in our attic. And you know what I then learned about? If I had known this, I probably still wouldn't have done anything because I'm not super proactive sometimes, especially when it comes to home things. I don't know why. If I'd have known this, what I read online afterwards, once I learned raccoons were in our attic and I saw the bill of what critter control was gonna have to charge me, right? Bird nests attract squirrels because of the smell in the attic. And guess what? Squirrels then attract raccoons because raccoons heard there's something going on in the attic. They want a piece of that too, right? Next thing I know, I got raccoons making their home above my head, right? And I think the same thing can happen with our spiritual homes, right? Small compromises, small, eh, I'll do that later, can slowly lead to big problems. And I'll say the best and the worst thing about being a student pastor is talking with students about their sin, 
right? I say it's the best thing because it's, it's amazing to be able to be trusted with that information, to be able to pray with them, to be able to bring those things to light. Yet it's also extremely tragic to listen to and to hear how the devil's involved in their lives. I say they as if some of you are not here, right? I find, I find that many students, they, they tell me that they love camps. This is something that y'all know. They love camps and conferences, but they absolutely dread going home more and more so because they know that at home, they're gonna fall back into the secret patterns of sin they've been stuck in for so long. And so point one, we must guard our homes, right? I don't care if you don't have kids. I don't care if you've never had kids. This applies to all of us. We must guard our homes. And so I'm not saying that this means that, cool, okay, cool, yeah, I'm gonna guard my home. I'm gonna move out to Montana in a mountain cabin and never talk to anybody. That's not the guarding I'm talking about. I'm saying we have to be conscious of everything that we do watch and allow into our home. Or how many know movies and shows are more violent and, and sensual and profane than ever before, right? Like PG rating 30 years ago, is that the same as PG now? And PG 13, I think is, I'm not 13 and I think it's wrong, right? Like, like, like 13 year olds should, should be watching this type of stuff? I don't think so, right? And so um, I'll say this. I, I don't often hear God speak verbally to me. Maybe some of you guys do. That's not really me. Uh, but I believe that a couple months ago, God really showed me something. Whether it was my own thought that was inspired by God's word or it was God speaking to me, it doesn't really matter. I know that God showed me something a couple of months ago. I was on a plane. I was on an airplane listening to a sermon. I actually really like listening to sermons on an airplane. For one, because I'm so tired, right? And the movie screen is like eight inches away from my face that it makes my eyes even more tired. It really puts me to sleep. You know, so the last thing I wanna do is stare at the screen like eight inches away from my face. So I just listen to things right on a plane. And so I was listening to a sermon and I don't know what it was specifically that day. I was moved to tears as this pastor was talking about missionaries and the evangelistic success that people were having on other, in other parts of the world. I'm like, man, this is so cool. This is like the purest, coolest thing I've ever heard. And talking about identity in Christ and reminding me who I am at a time where I'm struggling. And man, I'm just like, this is awesome. And then as the sermon ended, right, I open up my eyes and I look around with a smile on my face. And then I see the things that are going on around me, right? I, I look and everybody's got subtitles and it's like swear words on this screen. I'm like, wow, okay, wow, that's some language, right? And then I look over here and I'm like, woo, I can't look at that scene. That is a scene nobody should ever be seeing, right? And then, and, then if, and then on the next one, then it's like people getting shot, bombed, everything. And I'm like, man. And so something, I think for the first time in my life, uh, I, I got kind of sick of the, the things that I was seeing around me. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm more guilty than anybody, right? It's not like I don't ever, I've never seen things that I shouldn't have. But I really believe that for the first time in my life, something popped into my mind, like this is impurity, right? I, I kind of skip over Galatians 5.19 as impurity is a, a work of the flesh. But that day, I really believe that, that bless you. I really believe that that day, <laughs> sorry, Bless you. I really believe that that day, you know, I just really had a statement pop in my mind. I will not be entertained by impurity. I will not be entertained by impurity, right? A state of moral corruption. We can find that just about everywhere. And so what if we all committed to only watching shows and movies that have no moral corruption? What are we gonna, what are we gonna watch? We better start compiling a list because there's not much left. 
right? And so I, I will say, this, this is my new commitment. This is my new vow. I will not be entertained by impurity. Have I broken that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right, but this is, this is where I'm, I'm at now. And so my first point, guard your homes because bird nests turn into raccoon nests and impurity doesn't look as impure as it used to. And so that's the defense, right? That's defense of our home. What about offense, right? We can't only play defense. That's a really bad strategy. You also have to have offense. Or how many know that Christianity is a very offensive religion? It can be offensive, but I'm saying offensive, right? Jesus traveling around, preaching, 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 sharing, sharing, sharing. Offensive. The second point for us today is to build our homes. First, guard our homes. Second, build our homes. I believe that it's a very sad thing if the home is the most dangerous place to be because you have access to things there that you might not have with others around. That's tragic. I also think it's sad because I believe the home has got to be the place of the greatest spiritual growth, right? It's gotta be. You spend more time there than anywhere else, even for the busy people, right? And it's the only place that you get to customize what happens. Right? Think about it like that. We talk about daycare. We talk about work. We talk, you know, gas prices. Like, there's a lot of reasons that parents have their kids in schools and in daycares and in youth groups. There's a lot of reasons. But your home is the only place that you get to customize what happens to you, right? If you aren't growing spiritually at home, you have the opportunity to change those things, right? You don't necessarily have the opportunity to change growing spiritually at work because your boss, you know, says these things and those coworkers say other things, right? You don't necessarily get to customize your school experience. You don't get to customize almost, you don't even get to customize your church experience necessarily. But you get to customize your own home. So Joshua and his family said that we will serve the Lord and the people agreed with them that day. And so for those of you with your hands up that your plaque says we will serve the Lord, that's awesome. My question is, are you truly serving the Lord, especially in your home, right? What about your home defines you as Christians as opposed to your neighbors who are not? What do you do differently in your home that the Christians, the non-Christians around you don't do? I mentioned that I had the opportunity to go to Israel and we, we had a, a Jewish scholar come in and talk to us for a couple of nights. It was fascinating learning about modern day Judaism. And I mean, super modern, like COVID Judaism. Um, and so this, this woman was talking to us about um, the effects that COVID had on Orthodox Judaism. And she said, oh, we hardly noticed. We hardly noticed COVID affecting our religion because of two things. First of all, the temple's been gone since AD 70, so it didn't really matter. We couldn't go to the temple. There is, one. There is none. Secondly, even though the synagogues were closed, it didn't matter to us because 95% of what happens in Orthodox Judaism happens within the home. 95%. And so, yeah, we miss the community, but every single thing that happens between father and son and parents and daughters Every single thing that happens, happens in the home anyway. So nothing really changed. And so I'm thinking, wow, that, mm, I mean, <laughs> what about us? Right? 95% of what we do happen in the home? I don't think so, right? And church assembly is important. I don't wanna take away from that. But do we know how to make our own homes a place where we worship and meet God even when the world's shut down? Home's gotta be the place where we grow because if not at home, where will that happen? And so as I'm closing up today, I want to encourage. I know I've been talking a lot about parents and children because I'm a student pastor, right? Singles, I want to encourage you to make your, make your home a house of prayer. 
as if you hadn't already. So I know some of you have. Make your home a place of prayer. It's a place that you customize. Spouses, make your home a place of prayer individually and with your spouse. Make it a priority to pray with your spouse. Parents, pray with your kids and teach them to pray as well. Absolutely. And kids, I'll even say, pray with your mom and your dad and pray with your siblings. I want you to know that God hears you. No matter how young you are, I mean, you're three, four years old, even if you're two and you don't even understand English right now, <laughs> God hears your prayers, right? And so build your home to be a prayerful home and the place of the greatest spiritual growth. I think the devil's attacking us in the home. And it's so sad to me that the, the home could be the place of the, uh, the most danger that people face. So I want you to know that healthy churches, this is what I believe. I don't believe that healthy churches make healthy homes. I believe that healthy homes make healthy churches, right? It's not a top-down thing. It's not like you come here, you hear a message, you worship, all of a sudden your home is now healthy, right? It kind of works the other way, right? When we all gather together with very healthy homes, healthy families, we combine for a very healthy church, right? And so that's the priority that's, that we need to make at our home. It starts at home. So as we're closing up, I said that twice now, all right? God at home, God at home. Guard your home and build your home. I really wanna encourage you, guard your home like the devil is a prowling lion at your fingertips, because he is, and build your home like your life depends on it. And so please make a commitment with me today. I think I have a commit, the commitments up on the screen that uh, I want you guys to make with me. If not, you could just listen. First of all, make that same commitment that I was mentioning about me on the airplane. I will not be entertained by impurity, right? Make a commitment. I, I don't care if God spoke that to me or that was just generally from understanding his word. I don't think there's any Christians that are allowed to be excused from that anyways, right? <laughs> this is not a personal thing. This is true of all of us. I will not be entertained by impurity. And secondly, I will raise a prayerful family. You could rephrase that. I will not be part of a prayerless family. Right, make that commitment today. And so I'd encourage you, um, for impurity, consider what that would mean to cut out. Hopefully for a lot of you, it's nothing. Hopefully you're already living that way. But if so, what, what is the thing, maybe a couple things that you gotta cut out that you might not be entertained by impurity? And, and secondly, with the prayerful family, I'd encourage you, take a 14-day challenge. It's, it's, it's really convenient because it's July 17th, right? And so for the rest of July, pray out loud with a family member every single day. What about that? No matter where you find yourself in your family, if you're, if you're married, if you're single, if you're a kid, if you're whatever, pray out loud with a family member for the next 14 days and see what God starts to do in your own home. And so just as Joshua, as a 109-year-old old man, right, dug his heels in the ground, we must too, because the world is gonna pull us in all types of directions. But as he declared, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord I hope that we can say the same thing today, right? Make it true about our house, about our household, and also let's make it true in our homes, right? My house, literally my home, we serve the Lord here. And so I'm asking you today, today, will you serve the Lord? Will you make it a priority in your home to serve the Lord and to make that a place of the greatest spiritual growth that you experience? I think that would be an amazing thing for each and every one of us. So I'm gonna pray. So God... 
I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Joshua, Lord, this old man who served you his entire life. Lord, I pray that you would make Joshua's out of all of us. Lord, people who saw you at an early age and said, oh yeah, I'm a part of that. And at the very end of their life, same story, but even more so, oh yeah, I will serve the Lord. I hope the rest of you do too. And so God, I pray for, our, for those who live alone right now, Lord, as their, their family might feel like just themselves, Lord, that their homes would be a sanctuary and would be a place where, Lord, they meet God, where they experience amazing spiritual growth. Lord, I pray for uh, spouses, Lord God, as it can be, uh, life can be busy, life can be weird, life can be hard, I can be scared to pray together, Lord, that all of these barriers that tell us I don't actually need to pray, Lord, will be removed and Lord, we would create prayerful homes really, really prayerful homes. And Lord, I pray for parents with with kids as well, Lord, that they would teach them to pray, that they would learn to pray, and they would live a life for more than the next 14 days of very prayerful homes. And so God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you continue to speak and to use this old book, Lord, to speak into our lives. Lord, move on us, Holy Spirit, today and show us the areas where we can grow. God, we thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. And so... Hey, you know what? Let's give a real, well, thank you. You know what, today, let's make, let's make a, uh, let's make a public commitment, right? Let's make a commitment. Here's what I want you guys to do today. I got grandiose plans. I wanted a huge photo booth outside in the lobby. But sometimes, you know what, all it takes is a selfie. So here's what I, I, I want us to do today. Grab your family, and if you don't have, if you're sitting by yourself, maybe grab a friend or two or three or however big you want your selfie to be, and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a selfie and say, and post, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I think that would be awesome. Let's put that on there and, and tag these things, right? Pray at home and your BCC, of course, and, and Joshua 24, 15. If you're a social media person, first of all, take a family picture once in a while and maybe post that online saying, as for me in my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I hope that someday in the future, you can look back on that and say, you know what? That was pretty cool. 10 years ago, we posted that. that first of all, we got a family picture, right? You get an excuse to do that. And at the same time, we decided we were going to serve the Lord. And so, hey, if you need an example, I wanna show you of a picture of Taylor and I and our family and how we are going to serve the Lord today. And so that's me and my wife and our new baby, and I wanna tell you today (laughs) that, hey, as for me and my house, the three of us, we are going to serve the Lord. God bless you today.